Hi, welcome back to an extremely happy edition of PNH Expanded with Mike McDonald. I appreciate very much you reading my blog. If you have done, it was so much fun to write and reminisce about the past and look forward to the future with this team. Um, you know, I don't know if I speak for you too, but regardless of whether we win anything or even come top four, it is so nice to wake up on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever day we play and feel like we're going to be entertained and we're going to be good enough. I think that's probably how I feel. You know, when you know that you're good enough, there's always hope. So to wake up with hope and have less of the nerves is just a delight that I've been missing. And, of course, I know that if you listen to this, you're probably pretty deep into your football like I am, and there's no hiding away from the fact that this affects all other parts of your life. So, um, And sort of so it should. We deserve to have a a hobby um, that uh, uh, we love. Um, I think that that is the intent... Um, to enjoy our lives and so I just feel that Arsenal are in such a good place therefore (laughs) my life is so much easier because of how I'm affected by Arsenal so uh, I actually thought that the the sliding doors moments in this game were there were two to me and they were the quick comeback goals that's just again it's not Arsenal is it it's just a new thing Arsenal normally, um, the crowd get edgy, they take a while to get their footing back into a game when they've conceded, they all look a bit droopy, Um, and that didn't happen, and that was just so refreshing, and of course, you know, if you can go harder after a team scores than at any other time, be more focused, concentrated, and determined to score then what momentum and encouragement your opponent has been given can just go away in, what was it, probably 90 seconds one of those goals happened in. And so you completely flip their emotion and their confidence. Oh, my gosh, why have we taken so long to figure this stuff out? I tell you. Um, Well, I wanted to talk about Mr Granite Jack. I, I don't talk about him much. I... I think ultimately because I've, in my mind, I've been ready for him to move on for a few years, not because he's not good enough, because I I do think that he is good enough. It's not that, it's just I sort of wish we weren't reliant, um, in the past anyway, on a player that has a few obvious deficiencies when we're building this team where the majority of them don't have such obvious deficiencies. So, you know, I've got to admit, happy to do so, that he is elevating his game. And not just is he becoming more of an impact player and somebody that can make a difference, be it defensively, offensively, now on the score sheet, threatening the goal, but he's doing it in a new role, new position. That's a smart guy. That's a smart guy. I I mean, he plays... Unless I'm wrong, I think he plays in a double pivot for his national team. Sometimes he p- can play on the left of uh, a three-man midfield, but not in this role that Arteta's got him 
in where he appears in the box on a frequent basis. So the fact that he is where he is this season already and he's learnt the, the, the movements, the timing of the movements, that normally takes a long time. And that first, was it this week, the, when he made that out-to-in run and put himself was it through on goal? That was right at the beginning of the game, wasn't it? And then, of course, he made the proactive run to the back post for Saka's cross, which I think he headed against the goalie in the post. You know, to get the timing of that down, you'd think it would take longer than just a couple of games. So this puts Arsenal in a really interesting predicament because he, at the moment, absolutely isn't going to be dropped and should not be. Um, his deficiencies are not anywhere near as obvious in this position and his advantages are becoming brighter. And so you've got Laconga in that position. I'm going to miss some here, but to me, Fabio Vieira will be an option in that position. I do wonder if Smith-Rowe ultimately is seen uh, in that role rather than on the wing. Uh, he could certainly do it. And then so... You, you know, this clamour for a, a, a central left midfielder, you wonder if that's really the priority. You know, and then you've got Charlie Patino, who, of course, won't play for Arsenal this season, but uh, I'm wondering if he's not going to come straight into the Arsenal first-team pitcher next season and make it very hard not to pick him. So... If I was putting the rest of this squad together, I think that I would go, well, I know I would go for somebody who can uh, be more of an expert in Thomas Party's role. Again, if we were to miss Party, I think I've said this before a few times, but uh, I watched Tielemans and I watched him last week and he played that role. Last week, he didn't play it this week. He played on the right side of the midfield three, but um, and he... He looked more than ample uh, cover for Thomas Partey. You're not going to get somebody that has all that Partey does, but Tiedemans brings something different and something better in certain areas as well. And I'd be delighted if he came in. And, of course, he could play where Granit Xhaka's playing if that's really what we want to do and get him further forward so he can shoot more because that's one of his advantages. But he could also play, and he's got the Premier League experience of knowing the the press time and um, the release time needed in the Premier League, uh, he could play that defensive midfield single pivot role. I believe that. So I'm fully bought into that signing if it happens, uh, for sure. Um, just an interesting thought there with the emergence of this new Swiss lad that we've signed. Um, OK, I wanted to talk about uh, something else that I mentioned in my blog, which is how good it feels to not rely on Bucky Osaka, at least this week. Um, he provided a few opportunities uh, and he played well. He was fine. But I, at no point did I think we were relying on him. And, you know, I... That's wonderful. And it's just crazy how we've gone from one season to another, just a few months, and... He was almost undroppable because we didn't have another option at his level and the fall-off was just 
Well, it was just inconsistent. It wasn't large. Pepe's a, a good footballer, but you just don't know what you're going to get. And Saka's far more consistent at the higher levels. So, boy, that was one of the biggest encouragements I took from this game is that at times he was a little invisible. Um, I forgot he was out there, but I loved that. I loved that we could lean on Martinelli and lean on Jesus and lean on Granit Xhaka. My gosh. Uh, Odegaard, of course, is... Uh, rounding his game off and shooting more and um, anyway just very joyous I uh, wanted to keep this a little shorter today but there's a couple more things I wanted to to talk about um, and one is uh, Tommy Yasu Tommy, Tommy Yasu's had his hair cut you all saw that and I thought that he looked about 51 last season and I think he's aged another six years maybe nine um, uh, it's just rather humorous to me. Um, I wonder if he has grandkids. He's 23, isn't he? There's no way that guy's 23. There's just no way. I mean, in the way he looks is just one thing, but the way he plays football is another. Um, who was that guy that played for, that cheated the system? Um, I'm trying to think he pretended he was a certain age and he was actually over 40 and he, he pretended he was 20-something. I think he played on the continent. Of course, there was that, was it Ali Dyer who played for Southampton who pretended that he was related to George Weyer. Oh, man. I wonder if there's going to be a scandal on the front page of the... Uh, you probably don't have the Sunday Sport in England anymore. When I lived there, the Sunday Sport would, would publish... It was like the National Enquirer over here in the States just published, you know, utter junk and say stuff like Arsenal star actually three times older than it says on Wikipedia or whatever. <laughs> and I also want to mention that a uh, shout-out to Arsenal Vision today. My, my day, of course, hasn't ended. I'm doing this, but um, the back end of, well, earlier, I suppose... I was listening to the Arsenal Vision. Um, after I finished my blog, I always try to listen to afterwards. Otherwise, it's just so tempting to snag some stuff because their, their wisdom is, uh, it's, is so elite. But I was just tickled. Uh, if you don't listen to that, it's the Patreon uh, post-match podcast. And the host, Elliot, who's a friend, he was, um, he was clearly watching the United game at the same time that he was recording the post-match Arsenal podcast. And when Brentford went 2-0 up, he was just having a hard time breathing um, with laughter. And then I'm thinking to myself, because I know the final score, what's going to happen when he sees them score the third and the fourth? And you really need to listen to that. I know Eddie Longbridge tweeted a shorter version of Elliot losing control as Brentford score a third and a fourth and just turning what was a great day, great Arsenal day, into an even funnier one. Because... All of us know United fans. If you're a football fan, you know a United fan. In fact, you probably know a bunch, and most of them, like the handful of uh, United fans who live where, uh, where I live, just are really struggling. And one of them is actually um, looking to change teams. He's just so down and depressed about the whole thing, but um, don't care. It's just beautiful. Love it. Thanks for listening. Cheers.